This is Fresh Tracks Not So Weekly anymore. Uh, hunting season is here and we're gonna be extremely busy, so we're not gonna be able to get an episode out every week. We're gonna try to keep it going a little bit, but it's not gonna be weekly. So we'll see what happens. But this week we are talking about a potential land swap in Nevada that could cause the public to lose 150,000 acres of land along with decreasing access. But before we get into that, a quick sheep scouting update. We were able to get out and camp with my dad for a little while and glass for some sheep. Unfortunately, we did not find any sheep. We found some mountain goats and had a great time, but no sheep. And then I went out again last weekend with a buddy and we rode horses in and got skunked again. So it's been a little tough. I got one more weekend of sheep scouting and hopefully we can turn some rams back up. We will see. All right, we got to go check in with Michael and see what he's been up to the last couple of weeks. What's up, boys? Fishing Corner, let's go. End of August here. We got one more week of August, actually, but it's been a few weeks, and I want to say two weekends ago, we did a little cutthroat fishing, um, and then that following week, I went on a, a pronghorn hunt, which you guys will see at some point. It was uh, it was medium. It was tough. It was archery pronghorn hunting for you. Kind of classic Montana, for at least my case. I see guys killing them all the time, and I just kind of ask myself, like, what am I doing? I think I just don't try hard enough. But we went out. We filmed that. We had a good time. Me and Jace came back and did some more fishing on one of my favorite rivers out here. It was kind of hilarious because there was a massive uh, trico hatch, which is like a very small mayfly. And we wound up getting them on streamers all day. It's so. too late. <laughs> Dude, oh what a toad. Nice work. <laughs> on the four weight. Eat it. Eat it. shoulders on that thing yeah nice work <laughs> so it's been pretty fun i'm on day i think it's 127 today got some plans to do some fishing this weekend and uh hey thanks for having me back in the fishing corner marcus it's mike p i'm signing off back to you brother right on well i have just a few news stories for this week the U.S. Fish Wildlife Service just announced the Alexander Archipelago wolf was not warranted for listing under the Endangered Species Act. The Alexander Archipelago wolf is a subspecies that occupies southeast Alaska and coastal British Columbia. Advocacy groups had previously petitioned to list the subspecies, and the Fish Wildlife Service initially published a 90-day finding that said the listing may be warranted. When this happens, a lot more effort and resources going into trying to assess the true status of the species by using the best available science and communicating with Alaska indigenous peoples. So after this entire process, the Fish Wildlife Service found that the wolf is not endangered throughout its range, nor is it likely to become so in the foreseeable future. This should be a win for everyone. The fact that after extensive review, the wolf population was found to be in good condition and doesn't need protections is good for the wolves, it's good for the people who care about wolves, it's good for wolf hunters, and it's good for those who worry about the red tape and regulations that come along with an ESA listing. Speaking of wolves, California Department of Fish and Wildlife recently confirmed that there is a new wolf pack in the state more than 200 miles from the nearest known pack that resides in the northeast corner of the state. CDFW officials investigated a reported sighting where they found wolf tracks and collected scat and hair samples for genetic testing. 
Once they tested those, they confirmed that there were at least five individuals that had not been previously detected, although they were found to be descendants of known individuals. It was noted in this press release that California wolves are protected under California's Endangered Species Act along with the Federal Endangered Species Act. So this is another step in the expansion of gray wolves into the lower 48, and I'm sure it will add fuel to the fire of people getting fired up for various reasons. The Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation just released a list of grant funding in Oregon to benefit elk, blacktail, mule deer, along with other wildlife, and improving hunting opportunity. All in all, between RMEF and their partners, they're allocating $2.3 million to various projects in the state. Grant funds will be used for things like habitat work, which includes spraying weeds, prescribed burns, removing trees encroaching on shrublands, aerial seeding, removing old woven wire fence and replacing it with wildlife-friendly fencing. There will also be a bunch of funding provided to multiple research projects, such as assessing the feasibility of a wildlife crossing structure over a highway, as well as studying Roosevelt cow and calf elk movements. More funding will be provided to various 4-H shooting programs, trap shooting clubs, and hunting and shooting nonprofits. If you go to the RMEF's website, you can see the full press release that has a lot more detail on all these projects and where they're going to occur. In Utah, three domestic dogs were recently killed by a mountain goat at a popular recreation area. Mount Timpanogos has a healthy population of mountain goats along with being a heavily trafficked area by hikers and backpackers. Mountain goats' attacks on pets and humans are extremely rare, yet the death of these three dogs occurred in the same area in the last three weeks. The most recent incident involved a dog that was harassing a nanny goat and kid. The goat then pushed the dog off a cliff, killing it. The other two incidents involved a dog either being gored or being pushed off a cliff as well. At least one other incident was also reported of a goat goring a dog and that dog survived. Honestly, it's pretty hard to feel bad for the dogs if the dogs were harassing the goats. Good on the goats for fighting back in my opinion. Not an exhaustive list of news this week, but with that we are going to jump into the deeper dive talking about the potential land swap in Nevada. Happy late August, Marcus. I know, hunting season is here. I know. Michael is already out antelope hunting. Jace is out antelope hunting right now. Yeah, and what are we doing? We're sitting in the office. Yeah, but getting ready <laughs> for some pretty big trips, so yeah, I'm pretty so excited. Hopefully the audience doesn't expect you to keep doing this Fresh Tracks Weekly like this for the rest of the year because you're going to be gone. Yeah, but we we might try to keep it going. It's just right. not going to look the same, so right. we'll see. Blake is kind of taking it by the horns and... He, he wants to keep it going, so yeah. we, we'll see what we can do. We might be able to like send some from the field updates, what we got going on, and yeah. hopefully so. if something important pops up, we can touch on it. Yeah, it'll, it'll be filmed from inside a tent or up on a mountain. The audio will suck. The lighting will be subpar, but people know what we're up to and what issues are, are important. Right. If we can, can keep it, if we can keep it going. So Blake is the guy who's going to be in charge of that. Yeah. Don't come here to the office and interrupt Blake, or he won't get it done in time. <laughs> so. Yeah, we got a lot of adventures. So that's uh, – because yeah. you're, you're going to – you're heading to hunt elk while yep. Kara well, and I are heading to hunt moose. Yeah. So <laughs> we're going to have some concurrent hunts going on. Yeah. I, I suspect you're going to shoot more moose than I'm going to shoot elk. <laughs> But I'll make up for it with grouse, maybe. Well, I won't. So. I'm not, I don't even have a tag, so I'm just filming, which well, I'm pretty excited about. Okay. Well, don't be upset when a third moose is standing there. Yeah, that's, well, just the logistics. That's a lot of meat. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway. So, for Kara and Rocky have tags. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we could potentially get two moose, so, yeah. and I'll be filming. Cool. Yeah. It'll be a good time. Well, let's uh, let's talk Nevada. I was supposed to be in Nevada last week, but Delta Airlines canceled my flight, so 
<laughs> one of my big nonprofit volunteer things got canceled. Yeah. And I so, didn't make it there. Yeah. But you still got to do some virtual attendance, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I gotta, did it. Yeah. yeah. I, I did it virtually. That's good. Uh, this is my first week I've been in Montana for a Saturday, Sunday, a whole week, and then another Saturday and Sunday. Wow. But I am doing another <laughs> thing over uh, Posowitz's uh, memorial thing. Oh, for, yeah. For the fishing access site. I got to do that on Saturday. But at least I'm still in the boundaries of Montana for a nine-day period. Right. Yeah, you're a busy guy. Yeah. But anyhow, Nevada. Yeah. That's kind a- of a topic we wanted to bring up today, right? Yeah, we're starting to hear more rumblings, and you've yeah. been hearing them for a while, it sounds like, but now it's starting to hit a few news articles and yeah. uh, social media, but <clears throat> big land swap, rumors of a big land swap. Nothing's official yeah. yet, from what I understand, right? right. It's still in the in, in the works, right. as they say. So there's a ranch. This, this is mostly happening up in Elko County, uh, northeast Nevada, that is really, really good elk hunting. Deer hunting, pronghorn hunting, sage grouse. I mean, it's right. some of the best stuff Nevada has to offer. Uh, and we hear about the checkerboard of Wyoming along Interstate 80. Well, when you get to Nevada in Interstate 80, yes, the checkerboard continues. Gotcha. North and south of the interstate. So there's a ranch called the Wine Cup Gamble Ranch, one of the legacy ranches in Nevada. Right. Uh, the owners or owner has hired a consulting firm out of uh, Colorado to propose a land exchange. Yeah. And this, the reason that this is important in my mind is this is, this is like the classic example of how these happen and how they unfold. So someone listening might say, well, this is is a Nevada thing. It doesn't affect me in New Mexico or doesn't affect me in you know, whatever state it might be like, well, This one has all the same flags waving, saying, you know, watch out, watch out. So that's why I thought it, even though it's not a final proposal, it's been floated out there. The methodologies, the whole way of doing it is just classic. Well, and it is federal land that's at stake. So, I mean. No matter where you you live. Yeah, no matter where you live, you can come and enjoy that federal land right now. Yeah. And it's a this is a massive scale because the ranch that you mentioned, right. the Wine Cup Gamble, is a million. It's like around a million acres, I believe. I can't remember right. if it was under yeah. or over, but around yeah. a million acres of land. Yeah, if it of is, deeded. Like, that's the the deeded portion of it. Yeah, and they have the BLM allotment as well, which yeah. is what I've not looked into just how big the the Wine Cup Gamble is, but it's big. Yeah, it's great big, uh, and so the one of the classic parts of this is. Usually a land exchange is initiated by someone who has an idea of what's helpful to them, right? Well, they, they'll say, and in their proposals, it says, well, we want, it's a bit more efficient management. Right. Well, okay. well, land swaps, I mean, they can be good for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. In theory. Yep. Like there's we, been examples where <clears throat> yep. everyone wins, I guess. Right. Uh, well, you know, some people are going to. Right. complain but, about something but like right. in the There's scheme of things net public benefit in some land right. swaps and there have been some that's been a huge net public loss yeah and so the idea is let's make sure we end up with a huge net benefit or we just don't do it right and again though but the benefit is hard to define because you have monetary benefits right. and then you have like access and enjoyment <laughs> and who is the benefit right. for like we as hunters obviously have our bias of what benefit is but then other people might look at it purely 
financially right. or, you know, some other access related issue or recreation yeah. uh, thing that they do on that property. So it's, it's complicated. Yeah. And, and so here's kind of some steps that are always part of the process is whoever comes up with the proposal, sometimes the public proposes a land exchange mm -hmm. and most often it's a private party. They come up with a proposal. They meet with what's usually called key stakeholders or that's what right. they'd like to call it. And what they're doing there is they're meeting with, say, a Department of Wildlife or the BLM or some local grazing association or some other group and say, we want to float this by you. And then they kind of, the way they word things is kind of like, oh, we got their endorsement. We didn't hear any drop it dead, you know, this is a hot potato. Right. We didn't hear any of that, so they must be kind of okay with it. So it's kind of a part of the marketing sales pitch. Let's go meet with the biggest key stakeholders we can. And will imply that they're not, at, at least at this point, they're not putting up any protest. And then they work on that. And then they put out a an actual proposal for consideration and discussion. Right. And then they say they tweak and negotiate. And then they take it to Congress. It actually takes an act of Congress. And there's all these guidelines. Okay, it's got to balance out in terms of dollars and value and blah, blah, blah. And then it goes to Congress. And if, it, if it's going to go through, it's got to go through Congress. And right now, nothing ever goes through Congress as its own standalone bill, like some of these really good land exchanges did. Gotcha. There's a budget bill. There's a defense bill, a transportation mm -hmm. bill, a farm bill that has to pass or the government's going to shut down. And it gets added as a... Rider onto that bill. Yeah, as gotcha. an amendment to that. Or amendment, yeah. And so that's and, well. Weren't you saying that like it, it's a pretty small acreage? Like there's a couple exceptions, right? Where if it's small right. enough, you yeah, can do I've, these land swaps, but it's not that much land, right? Weren't you saying it's only a handful of acres, and if it's over that, then it, it's a congressional act. Exactly. Congressional uh, act. Uh, uh, the Forest Service and BLM can do these. They call them small tracks act. Okay. They, it's like three acres or two acres. They can do that. You start getting much in acreage, it's got to go through Congress. Right. It has to be an act of Congress. So that's why usually the, the proponent who is submitting this goes and hires firms that specialize in it. They're really good at it. They got the people who they know where, where the game gets played. They know how it happens. And so what, some things that, that make the glossy sales pitch seem good, but when you look behind the veneer, it's not that good. So uh, one is what you're talking about. You try to balance out the acres, right? right? So in this one right now, the public would be giving up 150,000 acres and the private party would be getting an extra 150,000. Now they say they'll balance that with a third party. Yeah. So it, And a lot of this is kind of rumors. It sounds like some people got their hands on a preliminary presentation. So it was right. and, the, and the idea is 85,000 acres of private deeded ground would be traded for 235,000 acres of right. public BLM. Right. A net loss of 150,000. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So when you do all of that, it nets out where it's like, where's the 150,000 difference in acreage? Well, the other side can say, well, we're giving you acres that are way more valuable. Right. So Congress, the, or the guidelines Congress has said, is as long as the values are the same, we don't care if it's one acre for five acres, as long as the values are the same. Well, then you got to go and look at, 
how do these valuations get done? A lot of times, the, the appraisals don't take into account the wildlife values. So the BLM guidelines for appraisals say, what's, what's the AUM? What's the return on the, on the land? How, how much could we rent this for? Even though the fair market value might say, that's the best elk country in Montana. It's worth $12 million, not $1 million. Yeah, and, and then there's subsurface rights too, which I read water there was rights, some water rights, yeah. subsurface, like oil and gas. And there was something about, I think they were planning on retaining some yeah. of the water rights yeah. along with it. So is this yeah. like on the surface, like right now from all of what's available, it does not look good. No, it doesn't. And the part of this, so that this becomes part of the process. You float the balloon out there to see, can I get everything I want? Well, no, I know I'm not going to get everything I want. So negotiation is if I get to set the first stake and we're going to keep meeting towards the middle somewhere, it's going to end up way over on my side. Gotcha. So the this land exchange, if you live in Nevada, you're concerned about this area, please be paying attention. But if there's a land exchange going on in your area, know how these things work, know how these valuations come into play and that it may not take into account that we are giving up wildlife acreage that is premium for a wildlife acreage that maybe isn't, but the dollar amounts balance out because one has more minerals and the other doesn't. Right. And then there's other factors from the part of what I've been hearing is access to already land that's not even involved in the swap. Right. But the access to it via different county roads and just yeah. the uh, ways that you could get in there if right. this land swap were to take place, some of those access points might be cut off. Right. And, and, and so that's just like a totally, you know, maybe unintended consequence. I don't know. Right. But it's like, got to think about that stuff too. Yeah. Like and, if you can't get in there anymore. Right now, this ranch gets a lot of what's called incentive elk tags. And under Nevada's program, if you have incentive elk tags, you have to allow access to any... Uh, public land that's landlocked or inaccessible, but you have access to it under your boundaries. Well, right now, we have access to all that public land. Gotcha. So even if though it's checkerboard, people have, have, have been able to that, hunt in there. Right, yeah. because of that program. Now, yeah, you can't just go hiking in there, Yeah, you know, because you're not hunting. But So if you take this and you block it all up, now... Because those elk incentive tags are not going to have any access component attached to them because gotcha. there's no longer a bunch of checkerboard inside the ranch boundary. So there's all these pieces to it, is the point. Right. And don't take a glossy sales pitch and just accept that as, oh, yeah, okay. Right. There's a lot of details to it. Yeah. And so. This is the part where I get a little bit confused because mm-hmm. what I mentioned at the beginning is like sometimes these land swaps can be good, right? Mm-hmm. It just makes it better for all parties involved right. because the checkerboard nature, just the nature of a checkerboard land ownership is complicated for the private landowner and the public yep. for access and management and everything. So yep. do you think that there is a way that this could work in the public's favor mm-hmm. or is it just like, I mean, I know that it's a red flag that they've planted their stakes so far. Right. But, like, is will this more? Is it possible that this morphs into something positive? It could be. Okay. That, that's where, if, if the public doesn't put up any resistance, it'd be like going to the car dealership and say, how much is that car? Oh, well, it's 40000 over sticker price. Oh, okay, I'm going to write a check for it. 
you know, it, if you don't push back, you're going to, you're going to get a bad deal. Yeah. And so if the public stays involved, gets involved, has their county commissioners push back, has their Department of Wildlife push back, has their grazing associations, their, all of their local affected stakeholders push back and say, what's proposed here is not, this, this doesn't work for us. And don't be afraid to push hard yeah. because these are valuable lands, valuable uh, assets of, of all kinds of different sorts, the wildlife, the land, the water. Maybe you can push back enough to say, all right, you gave us an access easement there. You get you filed the conservation easement on this, so we don't got to worry about all this stuff turning into, say, solar farms or whatever, or you're, you're not going to degrade the streams. Uh, uh, so you can make this work. Right. It's that, a whole lot of work. Yeah, but that's a, so that's what I'm wondering, though, is that, like, I mean, I don't know. It's it seems like it's case by case basis, but mm -hmm. then because also there's a value to just getting things shut down before they snowball, right. yeah. and like you said, maybe get attached to some mm -hmm. bigger package bill, yeah, and then we lose, the public right. loses, and yeah. so that's what that's where I'm trying to learn and like understand this. Like, is it better to just axe it right off the bat and get it killed, or? Do you try to work with them and negotiate? And that's what, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know either. They they hope. I mean, uh, I, I've i been on the side that did a land exchange. We proposed a land exchange for one of my CPA clients. And we ended up having to give a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, my client said, it's still worth it to me. Gotcha. But if the public hadn't pushed back and asked for this trailhead and this easement and that, and da, 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 I don't know that my client would have gave it to them. Their attorneys would have said, mm -hmm. Right, we, we'd give you that, but we're not going to tell you that. Yeah. So uh, it's really how hard the public pushes back to the point where maybe it kills the deal. Yeah. Or maybe it delays the deal a long time, but at least when the new proposal comes, it's okay. Yeah, this works. Like, remember when we were going to have this land exchange in Central Montana on the right. Durfee Hills? Yeah. That was th this. That was in 2015. It followed the same exact trail, and it was so lopsided, we just killed it. It's like, yeah, this is like not even in the question. Yeah, and one of the similarities, I guess, too, in both of those land swap examples are they're owned by billionaires. And yeah. so, I mean, I don't want to <laughs> paint with a broad brush, but a lot of those people didn't get to where they are by playing nicely and like you know and giving, giving, the, and giving a good deal yeah, like yeah right. so, so I, I don't know but no, that's like something to think about and that that is something you have to think about is why would someone come forward with this they didn't come forward to say boy we'd really like the folks of elko county and the u.s taxpayer these the U, landowners of this area to to get just we're, we're just so altruistic today damn we we got to do this for them well they might try to you know portray that though well yeah that's that's <laughs> it it and there are some good people who come forward with land exchanges with the their motives are transparent and and it is good and those some of those go through but if you get too far down the path and it builds too much momentum and the blm is like well we haven't heard anything negative or your department of wildlife is like well we we haven't heard much resistance or your county commissioners are like well you know they took us out golfing the other day boy <laughs> there's a hell of a deal all of a sudden that thing has that that's a big snowball you're trying to stop and it's 
it gets a lot harder. Or even making it more balanced out gets a lot harder. Yeah. So I, this is one of the bigger ones in the West right now. It, it's probably going to be the biggest one in the next year or two that, that comes out of the West as far as land trades, land exchanges. And I just want people to know how this works. I want them to know that it can work really well. Look at the land exchange we did here, 70-some thousand acres on the Gallatin National Forest. Right. That I have no idea how much access that opened up. But we swapped a bunch of stuff. They got the billionaire club known as the Yellowstone Club and Moonlight Basin. What did we get? We got all the checkerboard in holdings where they could have cut off our trails and all that other stuff. So mm-hmm. that was one that worked. Yeah. But yeah. That, that, I just I, I worry that uh, it, there's a, it's a different time now than it was, say, when we did the Gallatin one in the 90s. People feel less... That they're heard less by their elected people. Yeah. And so we have a tendency to just throw our hands up and say that we're not going to make a difference. I'm here to tell you, if you live in Elko County and you convince your county commissioners, you convince the, you know, some of the local merchants, some of the well-known people, the, the business community, some of the other landowners, that this is not a good deal. It just got to be really uphill. And the amount of benefit that's going to have to move over to the public column is going to have to be significant. And then maybe it is a good deal. Yeah. Well, that's, I guess, one benefit of modern times and social media is that this can spread. You yeah. know, at least people will be aware, hopefully. Yeah. Because, so, you know, people are spreading that this is happening. This, You know, you see it on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and you just, people are talking about it. So yeah. hopefully especially the locals there who are the real stakeholders, you know, mm-hmm. in Nevada. Yeah. Talk, like you said, talk to the county commissioners and yeah. Department of Wildlife. and Talk to your congressional representative, uh, I believe, for that district is Mark Arm- Amade. Talk to your two U.S. senators. Because if those three oppose it, if, if it's in your congressional district and your two senators oppose it, it is dead on arrival. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, and that's what you were talking about a little bit too earlier is like you have on the congressional side, but then also like Department of Wildlife and the local like yeah counties and everything, why mm-hmm. they might not have ultimate say. Right. If they aren't backing it and supporting it, if they're opposed to it, that right. carries a lot of weight. Carries a lot of weight with that person whose congressional district it is in and the two U.S. senators. The, their staffers are calling and saying, hey, county commissioner, what's your thought on this? Hey, uh, you know, big landowner, you know, adjacent landowner, what's your thought? Or, hey, Division of, Department of Wildlife, what's your thought? Yeah. Th- though there are a lot of groups there that can be the resistance where there's no way the congressional delegation is going to sign off. Gotcha. Well, no, this is interesting. I'm trying to learn about this because you've been involved in some of these land swaps and have seen yeah. it throughout time. And Yeah, I've seen so them good and I've seen them bad and, you know. Fortunately, I think most of the really bad ones we've been able to kill. Yeah. Uh, and there's been some good ones that died on the vine too, and that was unfortunate. But gotcha. right, just point being, show up, be informed, and make sure if this is in your backyard that you're getting the best deal you can or just kill it. If, if it's not a good deal for you, you know what? We're, we're just fine, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Beware of the deal that's too good to walk away from, right? Yeah. Those are good words to end on. Yeah.
Thanks, Marcus. Yeah, thank you.